welcome to Rocket Accelerated Geek Conversation. I'm Simone de Rochefort from Pixelkin.org, and I'm here as usual with my favorite people in the entire world, Brianna Wu, head of development at Giant Space Cat. How are you doing, Brianna? Wait, wait, wait. I'm your favorite wait. person in the world and not like your grandmother? Yeah. Well, I mean, I saw my grandma yesterday and she's pretty chill, but um, <laughs> she doesn't quite compare. I shouldn't. Okay, uh, no, I can't right. even say that. I can't even lie. You're right. My grandma is, is better than you. And I'm sorry. Oh, oh, well, now I'm enemies with your grandmother. The, it's really the awkward. The truth comes yeah. out. You could probably take her in a fight, but I, I don't really want you to. Okay. Okay. Can I, can I, can I have some full disclosure before we sh- start the show today? How many grandmas have you so- bought? <laughs> Just yours. Um, no, uh, before this, before this, I was doing an interview at a hotel and I'm drinking this, uh, I go, can I get tonic water? Because I have a professional policy to never drink in work functions. And I'm like, this tonic water is really good. And I realized after I got halfway through it, like, oh my God, I'm drunk right now. This has vodka in it. That's why this is so good. So this may be a rocket that goes a little bit off the, off the air. So I'm sorry. Sorry, I am, I am, I am, I'm, I failed. All right. Yeah. That's fine, Brianna. I, I still love you. Okay. You could still probably take my grandma. For my full disclosure, I have a flight in um, very, I, I'm flying out of Washington at 10 p.m. tonight, taking the red eye to Boston. So I am also on edge in a totally different way. And we also have Christina Warren, the wonderful senior tech editor at Mashable. What's wrong with you today, Christina? <laughs> I'm missing the bachelor for you bitches. That's what's wrong with me. I'm missing watching The Bachelor Tells All for you guys. This is how much I love you both. Oh, that that, that uh, I'm I'm willing to give up watching the best two hours of television in the history of the world because I love you both so much. You're making me want to just stop doing this podcast to go watch no, like it's fine. The Bachelor. Yeah. yeah, you guys. Well, you guys are on the on on, on the um, West Coast, so you can catch it in two we hours. Are. That's true. That's oh, true. you're right. Well, okay. Actually, okay, I'll be at a party with Hipster Whale, the people that did Crossy Roads. So I'm gonna go hang out with them <laughs> and see if I can beg That's them awesome. to put Holiday as one of the characters in their game. So. <laughs> Now, do your negotiation skills get better or worse when you're drunk? Uh, well, I don't know. I, I think I, I tend to I tend to be a little bit more. To, do you guys have that voice in your head all the time that goes like, do I say something okay? Do I say something okay? Was that abrasive? Oh, my God, that wasn't abrasive. And that voice kind of goes away, <laughs> which makes me both nicer and, and, and but not nice at the same time. All right. So I feel that. Yeah. I don't have that at all. I just Christina, do you have that? Yes, sometimes. Sometimes. Um, I actually, a couple drinks in, I'm usually better. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. Oh, Lord. Holy cats, as my grandma would say. Holy cats? <laughs> Holy that cats. That is, does your, does your grandmother live on a, a farm in Oklahoma? She like... she came from Minnesota. She moved out here uh, either before or during World War II so that her father could work uh, for the shipyards. So she has some great Minnesota-isms, such as holy cats. And I, I hope that everyone in Minnesota says that literally every day because it's the best. So if I could take your grandmother in, like, single-hand combat, would I become Definitely. your favorite person in the world at that point? You would or... become my grandmother. Oh, I think gosh. that's how it works, right? That would be you defeat weird. my grandmother. Yeah, you, you become, become her. the grandmother. So, okay. Yeah, then I couldn't swear in front of you anymore. That'd be bizarre. <laughs> we we do, like, the G-rated Rocket podcast. Unlike this filthy version we're doing now. I like mm-hmm. the filthy Terrible. version. I do, too. I do you do too. would. You watch The Bachelor. <laughs> I do. I do. And you know what? I have to say, both my grandmothers are dead, and one of them is in hell, and the other one was awesome. But both of them would enjoy the guilty, would enjoy the filthy version of our podcast more. <laughs> <laughs> so, Christina, sell me, sell me on The Bachelor. Why should I be watching The Bachelor? Okay, so it's a terrible show, and it says oh, I know things it's, about yeah, women yeah, and, and whatnot. Yeah. No, but the, the women awesome. are insane. The, right. the women are insane. So this season, there were two versions. One girl who, um, her big reveal was that she posed new for Playboy, not even Playboy Magazine, Playboy.com. Like, she's really cute and really sweet and shy, too. Like, he basically, like, broke up with her after that. But, like, Why? I felt for her. Not because Why? she did Playboy, but because she did Playboy.com. Like, if you're going to do this, like, if you're going to debase yourself, like, don't do .com. Like, do the Go real full thing. Yeah. Well, no. this is what I'm saying. If you're going to show everything, and she did show everything, then, like, you do it for, like actual magazine or or whatever because anybody can like you know have nudes of themselves online like at least if you're gonna do it like do it for magazine 
Anyway, oh. uh, there are two versions. One who's sweet, who's still in the running. She's one of the final two. She won't be picked. And the other one was uh, kind of a Kardashian wannabe. And then there are two. Hmm. Th- there were two widows, not one but two. One of them again, like chill and cool. She was like eliminated fairly early on because she had kids, and like her story was super sad. Oh. And then this other one is insane, you guys. Her name is Kelsey. She's like maybe the best villain the Bachelor has ever had <gasps> ever. I love her. So She's she tells, my favorite now. So, so she so she tells this story about how like her husband just died, like dropped dead, like walking to work one day, and it was horrifying. <gasps> but then she turns to the camera and she's like. Isn't my story just amazing? I love my story. I know that this is about Chris and his search for love, but really it's my story too. Just think about how wonderful it is to to see someone come back from all this stuff. Tune in Monday nights on ABC at 8 o'clock. And then when she tells the the Bachelor this stuff, he's clearly kind of freaked out because she's snuck away from the group to tell him. And then she uses that as an opportunity to then start macking on him and making out with him. <gasps> oh, my, oh, my God. Then, then, then he's, like, clearly not kind of feeling the whole thing. And she's, like, worried that she's going to get eliminated. So she fakes a full-blown panic attack. Like, falls oh to the God. ground, is like, is, like, like, convulsing the whole thing. She doesn't get eliminated. So then she and Crazy Kardashian version are together on a two-on-one date with The Bachelor and he dumps the, both of their asses and leaves them both in the desert. Like, usually how a two-in-one works is that one of them gets a rose and gets to, you know, stay, and one of them is eliminated on the spot. He was like, I'm not dealing with either one of you, and dumps them both. They were wow. left to mortal combat in the Thunderdome in the desert? Uh, basically. So, so Christina, I, I, I typed in Kelsey into, uh, I typed Kelsey into Yahoo, and I see uh-huh. here that her occupation is guidance counselor. Yes, I know. She's a guidance counselor. She has her Lord. master's and is working on her specialist and her PhD, apparently. She's Holy apparently cats. now... Yeah, it, it, she's she's guiding the the, the the minds of young children. It's pretty terrible. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the guy the guy this this time, he's, he was on The Bachelorette, I guess, a couple of, like, last thing, and he came in third. And he was nice. He's very cute, but he's very boring. He doesn't matter. The mm. whole thing is it's it's all about the women. Like last bachelor was was one. He's Pablo. not the farm guy, is he? Yes, he's the farm guy. He's the, the guy from Iowa. Yeah, a farm guy from Iowa. The only thing that pisses me off about the show when I was like tweeting about this last week is the whole thing is he lives in this town in Iowa with that with like four hundred fifty one people, and he's basically kind of like wanting whoever he he's on the show to find his wife, and he does seem very sincere, but he's like you know wanting to be make this whole life for himself in this town of 451 people. What? That's like asking you to give up your career. Well, he has like a, a multi-million dollar farm, but like he could, Des Moines not that far away. They could he could live with a wife in Des Moines and still be in a major city. He wouldn't have to stay in this podunk place. I don't think it's going to last. I mean, when does it ever last? It's about 50% of the time, just like with regular marriage rates, if you want to be honest. It's actually, really? That's kind of, I didn't know yeah, that. Wow. Yeah, I looked wow. this up. I looked this up and I actually corrected. I mean, I don't know what that says about regular things, but yeah, I mean, it, it works out about half the time. Um, usually doesn't last like long term, long term. I think there are only a couple of people who are married, but like one of the best success stories is this guy who chose one girl and then he realized that he picked the wrong girl and dumped her ass and picked the other girl. And everybody was like, oh, how can you do that? This is such a betrayal. Da 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 da. Well, he and that other girl are married and have two kids now. So. You know, I mean, you know, I, I guess it worked, but um, no, but I mean, it bothers me because the idea is being that like the woman always has to move. Right. And like, right. Yeah. Also, I have to say, like, no matter if it's Playboy.com or Playboy the magazine, I fully support a woman's right to pose nude yeah, and totally. make money off her totally. hot bod. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, completely. I mean, she was young when she did it, and I think she felt bad about it and felt weird, like revealing it. And if you look at and if you look at the photos, I mean. I'm not judging her at all, but I understand why it was for her probably a mistake. Some of them yeah, are kind yeah. of some of them are kind of like whoa, um, and you know, um, I, I'm 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 just really joking about that. If that's how she I, feels about it, then yeah. Now now she now she feels her. bad about, it, and that sucks. And it sucks that he you know would kind of and he said basically what he said was that if it was somebody he was really in love with, he would be able to overlook it. But, you know, he wasn't feeling that way towards her. And, I mean, fair enough. Well, I mean, well, Ouch. the thing is, look. Well, all right, well, I mean, all right, all right. I, I think we need to get to tech. We could point. talk for an hour we'll, about we'll, The Bachelor. We'll spin off another podcast. We will spin off another podcast. Well, next week, yes. next week he chooses. Anyway, the only point I was going to make is that the guy can move. My now yes. husband moved for me. 
And oh. guys can do it too. Yeah, he did. He gave up his job and like his like his well paying job and career and, and moved to New York because I moved to New York. So that's really you know awesome. what? Like it is really awesome. But the thing is, it's awesome whoever moves. But the girl doesn't yeah. always have to move. The guy can move too. It's it's not like that's I think the only thing that's bothered me about this yeah. season from a from a feminist perspective. The rest of it, I don't care. These crazy is like awesome. Like it's I- I'm all about it. I, the only part where I get like down on the patriarchy is when I'm like, you know what? You don't have to move for the dude. He can move for you. <laughs> no, I couldn't agree more. <laughs> Though I did move for the dude twice. And that's okay. Yeah. It worked. It worked for you. It did. And it worked work for, for Christina. No, Hansen. it didn't work for me because I have to live in it didn't Boston. Work for you? I have to live Ew. in Boston. Under 10 feet of snow. Yeah. <sighs> I. Okay, we should talk about tech, I, I, yeah, or else we, I'll start complaining yeah, yeah, about yeah, my packing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. So, stories this week. Uh, guys, we got to talk about net neutrality. Yay! We, got, we won! Yay! We won! But it's not I a victory yet. Well, Because everyone dun, dun, dun. is going to sue. Well, that's fine. Yes. I was really surprised to learn that, uh, so the FCC did classify internet as Title II, which means the cable companies can't institute fast lanes, they can't block legal websites, and they can't throttle traffic on websites like like, um, Comcast tried to do with Netflix a while ago. Uh, Congress is now apparently also getting involved um, because they... I guess the Republicans in Congress have some concerns. They were going to try to legislate something before the FCC made its decision, but they didn't get their shit together in time. Uh, But they're really looking at it, and the Republicans are trying to do a scare tactic, sort of, well, now that the FCC has control, they can institute taxes and, (laughs) I don't know, make do do government medley things. Um, And the cable companies, of course, are also displeased, and everyone's going to sue each other. So it's going to be a fun... Fun future for net neutrality, the fight for net neutrality to make sure that that is solidly in the hands of the FCC. Look, you know, I used to work in politics at, at that level. And mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's utterly predictable that this is what is going to happen. Oh, yeah. And, I mean, I this mean, is what lawyers have to do. Well, to... yeah. I mean, and, I don't know. I, I think um, I, I think that kind of backlash is inevitable because that's the move that they have. But I mean, I think the precedent is certainly very strongly set. Mm-hmm. And I mean, you know, if you look at, I mean, we should probably back up and actually tell people like, you know, what this actual ruling was about because it was mm-hmm. it was a very interesting tactic to kind of basically, you know, rule that, you know, internet fell under Title Two and it was it was a utility. So, mm-hmm. you know, because right. of that, what's been then taken out is all these um, you know, fast lanes for internet traffic. I don't know if you if you have Netflix, you probably um there've been a lot of high profile cases with um, you know, Comcast basically throttling data from net uh from netflix going to like comcast mm-hmm. survivors to try to like basically extort extort <laughs> them into like paying more for the um you know the access going into people's homes and yep. you know they've worked out these deals where like they would basically pay them a ransom fee and you know, yeah. net neutrality was all about like you know trying to keep this mm-hmm. where it's a flat internet and it's open to everyone so yeah this well, hold, is this, hold up, yeah yeah because i'm trying to oversimplify but go ahead no yeah, no yeah, no yeah, no yeah. no no yeah. no you're you're being fine but but it, it it's not a ransom fee it's an interconnection fee right which i think it's important to point out doesn't necessarily go away just because this is title two which is one of the problems yeah. with this that will have to be worked out but yes you're right i mean it go on sorry and go, no go am go i on. mistaken about that because from no. the stuff i read it, it would not happen like that would not be legal so, in the future, theoretically. We'd hope, we, theoretically, not, they can't charge Oh, I see what you mean. Like, it's going to be adjudicated in the future to try to, well, right. What they would try to do is basically say, well, we're not actually charging a fast lane. We're not charging for faster access. What we're going to charge for is to connect these two networks together. So we're going to charge an interconnection fee is what they could potentially do, which would still be a way for them mm-hmm. to, to, to try to prioritize stuff. That's something that some of the groups, including Google, were kind of, hesitant about with some of the net neutrality policies and and once this all comes down the line they're going to have to clarify that in the language because mark my words i mean as as we as you guys were saying um the lawsuits are already starting and and it's going to be going on for quite some time um the cable companies um are not going to want to give up anything uh the telecommunications company same thing um so any opportunity they have to try to uh charge people money that doesn't necessarily go away just because we have net neutrality no but the of idea course would be... not i mean it's not a panacea mm-hmm. you're not gonna i mean the stuff is a it, it's constantly gonna be whittled about and well no everywhere well what i'm right well, what i'm saying yeah. though is, is is in the fast lane thing i mean that's absolutely true but what might happen 
what and this is why it's important when the lawsuits happen and also as this kind of goes into effect is that the language needs to be cleared up so that these mm-hmm. interconnect fees aren't that doesn't become um the loophole for things like netflix because sure. mm-hmm. then they could just say I me mean, for instance you know um netflix right now is paying interconnect fees to comcast and verizon and others um the difference would be that um if they didn't um i guess um is that if there was some sort of service where there wasn't an interconnect fee necessary that they could they wouldn't be able to slow anything down i mean that's the idea anyway i'm i assume that netflix will continue to pay like comcast whatever they're paying them now i'm curious because if i mean i guess there's probably some kind of language there that they've worked out in their contract but um say there were a video service that didn't have that would they be forced into a situation like that do you think because comcast if the comcast loses its ability to block the website if it's legal or slow the traffic down then what can they do to make a web service pay them more money yeah i mean that that kind of comes down and that's kind of what i'm talking about they it's possible that they could try to look through kind of and say you know actually we're going to make you pay an interconnect fee if you want access to all of this stuff um the the hope is that the language will be clarified in such a way that that won't be possible. Yeah. I mean, I guess okay. I would say I I I think all of that is also predictable. Do you know what I mean? And I think Absolutely. that will be adjudicated going forward, and you'll figure it out. Um, you know, my husband does patent law, and sometimes he will he will come home to me and he'll tell me about his patent strategy of of ways to like you know basically get what he wants. Yeah, you know, I'll be listening to his arguments, and I'm like, that is the sneakiest stuff I've ever heard in my whole <laughs> whole life. And it's like, uh, you know, I mean, so I I expect all of that to be predictable. And I think like mm-hmm. anyone that claims that this really? can going forward is going to be a panacea that's going to you know the net is free forever we never have to think (laughs) about this again that's not true but i think this is right yeah but i think this is a very strong precedent and a lot of the things Mm -hmm. that um you know i've been really concerned about like for instance on 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 mobile you know like um you know different different traffic promote and christian forgive me if i'm wrong but as i understand this does also apply to to mobile web traffic correct um potentially it does yes i mean that that was one of the big changes that that um made i was um, very surprised yes that was one of the big changes that wheeler made and it's actually really interesting to see how much legislation from the fcc standpoint changed from a year ago and that um you know a year ago when the current uh when the the old net neutrality laws were, were were um banned were basically struck down and he came up with an alternative the original um uh, proposal was not anything like what ended up getting passed. Mm-hmm. It was, it was, there was no teeth in it, and a lot of people really argued um, vehemently that it was not going to be good for the future of the web. And and one of the big problems was that, and I wrote about this a year ago, was that it, it wasn't touching mobile web at all. A, yeah. it wasn't at, at, you know addressing any of this fast lane stuff. But B, it also or was allowing those things to continue. But B, it wasn't addressing the mobile web in the slightest. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, but what's been interesting is because more than 4 million Americans actually got off their butts and made phone <laughs> calls and, 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 and pressed, you know, signed petitions and did other things and really rallied around something like I've, I've almost never seen before, you yeah. know, the, 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 the ruling, the proposal that, that Wheeler put together actually has more teeth and it, it's not going to be as I guess, you know, it, it's, but because of the Title II stuff, it would apply to mobile web traffic as well. And mm-hmm. that's actually huge because most people don't understand just how much your tel- your, your wireless carrier controls your access. I mean, we've seen things, obviously, with the super cookies that Verizon has had and some other things where, you know, they literally are kind of monitoring your traffic. And we've also seen things <laughs> right. where if you connect to certain hotspots, you know, they will insert ads or they'll take over your router and do certain yeah. things. Um, but also when it comes to interconnect agreements and, and when it comes to the fast lanes, that's been happening with those services for years. And what's what's so important about mobile being part of this is that if you think about it, you know, we've been trying to solve the issues around broadband in this country and um, LTE is getting a lot faster than broadband in a lot of places. And there are yeah. a lot of places mm-hmm. where you can get LTE yeah. access where you can't get, where you might be stuck with DSL. I'm know, actually doing this fiber. podcast on uh, LTE right now because <laughs> nice. like, it's so terrible at my hotel. Yeah. So, well, exactly. Yeah. I mean, I, 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 Optimum is my cable provider, Cablevision. And um, although I have great Netflix, they actually have the best, like they're the number one Netflix person. I think they're like mm-hmm. right after uh, Verizon or not Verizon. I think they're like right after Google Fiber 
in the overall things, but for the the nationwide or whatever things like the, like they're the number one like fastest with Netflix company. But most of the time, even though I pay for you know if I if I'm if I'm hardwired into the Ethernet and I've got we pay for the hundred you know megabits or whatever, um, mm-hmm. we can get pretty good speed. But I have to say most of the time my LTE with Verizon through my cell phone you know or my iPad is mm-hmm. as fast if not faster. Um, and and that's going that's especially true in rural areas. Right. So, you know, in in I, I can I can foresee a future where in ten years, maybe even five years, most of us will primarily be getting our internet through wireless, mm-hmm. through you know through LTE rather than you know, um, it, it, especially since fiber costs so much to, to you know the infrastructure is, is so much to install. Most of us will be doing that rather than cable. That brings up another uh, thing that uh, has become or become part of this FCC ruling, which is that they decided that cities, uh, municipalities setting up their own broadband would not be necessarily competition with cable companies, which was an issue before they were they weren't um, there was a problem with municipalities doing that because it was uh, blocking business for cable companies. But they decided that municipalities could be allowed to do that. So we might see more of that in the future as well. Though it's still kind of up in the air on who exactly is allowed to do it, I believe. Yeah, yeah. Which is super freaking cool. <laughs> I know uh, when I went to Korea a couple of years ago, Seoul has its own um, wireless network setup. You have to uh, be a Korean citizen or have like a special login to log into it and use it. But um, it it's really great. It's really wonderful and useful. So yeah, yeah. Awesome, awesome. So um, I guess I'd say one more thing on this before yeah. we kind of move on. But I mean, do you think there's any truth to some of you know Comcast's you know claims that this is going to stifle innovation? It's going to limit their ability to do all of this. I mean, so it's just Christina laughter, Christina laughter in response. Yeah, laugh track no. for the rest of the podcast. No, I think that you know. Uh, Simone, you just pointed it out. Looking at Korea, looking at these other countries, look, mm-hmm. we've we've tr- for years we've had they've had the you know basically they've had free reign of this stuff you know for decades, yeah. and they've what been have they done? claiming well this is exactly it, and and what yeah. happens? Every other major country and even even countries that are not as developed as ours have better broadband than we do. We have yeah. fallen behind. So what's what exactly have they done? I mean, to their own points, they've all said that a lot of them have used kind of the infrastructure they put in place for their broadband stuff to kind of mm-hmm. um, shore up their backhauls for their um, their LTE and their and their their wireless coverage. So I mean, honestly, it's like, yeah, I'm not I'm not doubting that they've invested a lot of money in technology. I'm sure they have. Um, but the results speak for themselves. And if anything, yeah. you know, I would think that that I, I think you can make the same argument that Title II basically forces people into more competition and forces things to be even better. But mm-hmm. even if that's not true, I mean, they've had however many years to, to to actually innovate and they haven't. I mean, we're we're so far behind. So it's like to me that argument would make a lot more sense if we were seeing thing if if you know people weren't clamoring and begging Google who steals all their data to bring the fiber <laughs> to their town because my god, you know what? They will know everything about me and have a catalog and something attached to my IP address now and literally be able to know everything I do ever. <laughs> but it's worth it. I will have fast yeah. internet. I, I yeah. guess I would say this, and listen before before I say this, I just want to be really clear. Like I, I strongly support this ruling. I very strongly sure. support net neutrality, but I I also think this is probably a more complicated problem than people like really give it credit for. And you know, like you, you're comparing this and noting we have you know worse internet than you know like say South Korea and. But I think if you look at, like, ask yourself what the reason is for that. Like, the United States has much more landmass. We have literally 50 different states with different regulatory <laughs> agencies inside of, of them, different yeah. laws, you know, communication standards are largely the same. But like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure if you look at the way that like you have to wire in my house in Boston into, you know, um, you know, Verizon broadband and you went and looked at Simone's I would bet that there's mm-hmm. different communication protocol different laws at play and we have an unusually large landmass here so I'm not I'm not I'm not I'm not saying it's it's I'm just saying it, it's more complicated yeah. than there being it a switch it kind of comes down to a hardware right. problem versus I guess 
small business it's on the It's a very internet. complicated problem is all It's I'm a very complicated. Yeah. You're absolutely right. And I don't mean to be flip with it. I mean, and you're absolutely right. I mean, and one of the things is, one of the reasons, though, um, that LTE, I think, has become such a viable solution is exactly what you pointed out. It's that it's a lot mm-hmm. cheaper and a lot better to solve the last mile problem with LTE. And then it is um, to do it through 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 fiber and through through copper wiring. That's absolutely true. Uh, I just feel like you know they they've definitely invested, but they haven't been investing in pushing the technology forward enough because they mm-hmm. haven't had to. So it's a it's a complex problem. It's an expensive problem, and and I'm not discounting that. You're absolutely right, Bree. Uh, I just feel like um, there hasn't been any proof to me that any of these companies have actually really been trying to push speeds forward. If anything, it's almost been. You know, we've had this since where we've kind of been at, we're still very similar to kind of the rate that we were at in 2003, you know, in a lot of places. Um, And and it's a problem. It's actually becoming problematic. Netflix being just one of many examples because, you know, (laughs) you need a certain amount of megabits, you know, a connection, strong enough connection to get a video feed. Well, what's going to happen when all this stuff starts going IPTV? Either companies innovate or or we can't move forward, period. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, I mean, it, it, it's, it's to their behoovement to, to go forward as well. What's interesting about this is that at the moment, uh, like we said before, it doesn't really constitute a major change. It just means for now, things can't go, can't get worse. Or it stays the status quo basically for now until we figure out what the hell net neutrality really means to the FCC and what they're going to do with it and what other competitors are going to come up to compete with the cable companies. Yeah. So, I think yeah. that's well said. I think that's well said. Yay, new neutrality! Yay, we did it. Yay! We did it. We did it. <laughs> cool. Well, let's uh, let's move forward with our hyper accelerated show today. <laughs> this episode of Rocket is brought to you by Lynda.com, the online learning platform with over three thousand on-demand video courses to help you strengthen your business, technology, and creative skills. For a free 10-day trial, visit lynda.com slash rocket. That's L-Y-N-D-A dot com slash R-O-C-K-E-T. So let's talk about lynda.com. Lynda.com is for problem solvers, for the curious, for people who want to make things happen. Maybe you want to master Excel. Maybe you want to learn negotiation tactics. Maybe you want to build a website or boost your Photoshop skills. Go to lynda.com and feed your curious mind. So while browsing around lynda.com, I found some truly amazing courses, such as Income Tax Fundamentals. Hey, I mean, seriously, tax season is right upon us. I don't want to tell you guys how long it's been since I've really filed my taxes correctly and how much I'm probably leaving on the table. This course is really helpful. There's also stuff on growth hacking fundamentals, things on web design, Photoshop, Illustrator, Responsive Design, Node.js, the list goes on and on. Genuinely, if you're interested in a topic, chances are lynda.com has a course or tutorial that can help you learn more about that topic. With the lynda.com membership, you can watch and learn from top experts who are really passionate about teaching. You can stream thousands of video courses on demand, allowing you to learn at your own schedule and on your own pace. So if you don't have time to watch something from start to finish, you can consume lessons in bite-sized pieces. Okay, I've only got a few minutes right now, but I want to see what's happening. I can take notes in my own time. What's also really cool is that you can browse each course's transcript to follow along or to search for an answer and skip to that point in the video. This is super, super helpful if you're trying to figure one thing out. Maybe you don't have time to go through the entire tutorial, but you can search for it, find the place in the video, see what's going on. If you need to take notes, you can do so. Follow along in your own program and you're good to go. You can also create and save playlists of courses you want to watch uh, to customize your learning path, to share with friends or colleagues or team members, and you can even watch and download courses on your Android or iOS device to learn on the go. Your lynda.com membership will give you unlimited access to training on hundreds of topics, all for one flat rate. So whether you're looking to become an industry expert, you are passionate about a hobby, or you just want to learn something new, I want you all to visit lynda.com slash rocket and sign up for your free 10-day trial. That's l-y-n-d-a dot com slash r-o-c-k-e-t. Thank you so much to lynda.com for supporting this show and all of Relay FM. So topic two is uh, Mobile World Congress, which is happening right now in Barcelona. 
in Spain. Um, none of us are there, obviously, Ooh, but lots be. of new uh, new things are being shown off, um, including um, new smartphones from Samsung and HTC, and actually bunches of new VR headsets, too. So, uh, Bree, do you want to talk first about the, one of the hot new smartphones? Um, it looks just like an iPhone 6, but it's made by Shocker <laughs> Samsung Galaxy so S6. I have a lot it's not the iPhone 6, that. it's the I Galaxy S6. I have a lot S6. to say about this. So, over at Giant Space Cat, you know, I am... I have an iPhone, but I've been long interested in developing for Android, you know, because I like money. <laughs> and, you know, <laughs> I, I, I've, so I spent a lot of time looking at Android phones and, you know, um, and I have to say, like, I looked at the Samsung Galaxy S5, which I thought was a piece of garbage, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like it was Brutal. so weird to me. Like you saw the, the the intro thing do you remember this christina like all the skits that they had when like coming out with like the the woman it's like ooh, i'm a housewife and you know like it's so it was it was so terrible and they they bring this phone forward to market that has all these things like it's waterproof as long as you like cover up the port every single single time you use it and it looks so cheap and it has like features on it like it will scroll down and it will stop like scrolling a web page if you if you look away and like all this really gimmicky <gasps> stuff and you know i saw this the phone originally and i just have to say like i mean granted i also like iphones that's probably why i liked it but it seemed <laughs> like they were really serious about bringing a um a professional polished product to market and i know a lot of people have like critiqued it for um you basically ripping off an iphone is the joke i hear now and then but it's also maybe like, that's for the best well I yeah mean, it is from a material standpoint it's like the plastic was cheap so i mean what else do you expect them to be able to make it out of besides like metal and glass you know well so, i mean that, that's right, a fair point yeah, but yeah. that's a fair point and i think you could i mean you could make the argument that in some ways you know, the iphone um looks similar to the htc uh one uh, both the M7, the M8, and now the new M9, mm-hmm. um, although it certainly has its own style. I think the reason people are, are critiquing it so much is not just that they went aluminum, but the way they went aluminum, the shape, the the, the curved, uh, the, the way the glass curves on the screen, um, the way that they've got the, the speaker placement, um, the way that they've kind of, you know, changed the edges around, the fact that the battery is now built in and, and it's it's no longer removable, the fact they've removed the external storage options and, and made it all, you know, one device. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it definitely mm-hmm. has very much, I think that, that it, it, it's an easy joke, but it's, it's an easy one to make that it does look way more like an iPhone. And I mean, one could argue... And that when Samsung has been the most successful with their Galaxy devices has been when they've ripped off the iPhone the hardest. Right. And so, I mean, mm. if Apple's going to be, you know, selling 75 million of these things, and if Xiaomi is coming on really, really strong in China, I mean, maybe this is what they have to do. I mean, like, screw originality. Let's just get what people actually want to buy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, I I guess to me the the most prominent feature of the iPhone I see is the round button placement at the bottom. So I was just looking yeah, at that. Yeah, my I friends who have Galaxy phones are always like, "No, you, there's no button. You just have to use the screen." And for as an iPhone user, that's like, "What the hell are you telling me?" <laughs> um, but <laughs> I see now that they have come around to the other side, and I look forward to rubbing that in everyone's faces. Oh well, they've had a home button for quite some time. Right, they've had a little home button, but they've had a but but now it's now it's even more like kind of prominent. Yeah, in, probably. In the way Mm-hmm. designed and i mean honestly for me it's really the bottom that is the most uh similar so basically if you look at where you know, the lightning port is or, or the micro usb port is on, on the galaxy mm-hmm. um and like literally like they, they've moved you know the the um i think the headphone jack i think it was on the top before now it's on the bottom just the way the speaker grill is i mean it literally the whole thing just looks i mean so so similar um and, and that's fine i mean you know you can kind of make the same argument that when the the first iphone came out there you know there aren't a whole whole lot of ways to design a slab that looks you know demonstrably different and i certainly think it looked better than their last you know plastic phones which granted were were tanks and you know you wouldn't break them but they felt bad and and certainly weren't uh things that people really you know didn't feel like a quality device but yeah this looks a lot better um, and the, the specs are good. I mean, we'll have to um, wait for, to kind of get hands-ons and do kind of reviews and whatnot. But I mean, it's um, it's interesting. I mean, I, I think I think that uh, what's also interesting is they've they've taken kind of a different approach to their uh, TouchWiz software, where before they've been criticized and rightly so, like the camera before had like 
three pages of options that you had to scroll through. <laughs> you could do everything on this camera, but it was confusing and and and, and annoying. Yeah. And now they've they 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 said during the keynote yesterday they're like, oh, and no more scrolling, you know. Um, <laughs> so they they basically kind of that's one good thing about Samsung. I will give them credit for is that you know they are not afraid to go back and, and fix things and try again. They're not afraid when they fail at something to fix it. I mean, the, the the Note is a great example of that, where they just kind of keep chugging away and perfecting it and perfecting it, and it's become a really nice device for people who like yeah. that sort of thing. And, and I, um, think I think it's that... really harmed their reputation either I, in terms no. of the popularity of the product and the reputation of the product. No, no. I mean, they, they sold fewer phones last year than, than they had in the past, and, and they mm-hmm. certainly... You know, I think sales of the S5 were not as strong as they were expecting them to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's for a lot of reasons. You know, it was kind of a mediocre phone, but also Android phones, I think, have kind of reached a, a certain, um, you know, ceiling where they've kind of done all they can do in terms of hardware and, and software. Mm. And they're kind of waiting for the next big thing, the next big breakthrough that happened. And it was a really strong iPhone cycle, too. You know, the people finally had yeah. <laughs> two bigger iPhones, and, and it's hard, you know, to compete against that. Yeah. But, I mean, if you go anywhere else in the world as you guys know more than me, because I think you guys travel internationally more than I do, you know, you see Samsung phones everywhere. Yeah. You know, they yeah, have a true. humongous, they have a humongous brand following. And I think this will continue, this will do well for them. I think this is the right decision. It's fun yeah. and easy to make fun of them for ripping off the iPhone. But I think that, you know what, you, you rip off what works well. And one thing I will give them is mm-hmm. they are not at all afraid. Like I said, to make changes on a dime. They're not afraid to throw away to what didn't work for them before. Well, I think that yeah. I think that really speaks well for them. And, you know, I have to ask, like, what do you think of the, the, the curved glass version? Because I find myself still very skeptical. I think, I, like, when I think about the, 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 the practical applications of curved, curved glass and curved displays, I think it makes sense in, like, um, like for a very large display because yeah. I think the idea is like mm-hmm. if you're seeing at a computer monitor, I understand the practical applications of that. And I think that is a, a better option, clearly. But when it comes to curved glass in a smartphone, other than, you know, it looking more beautiful, and I think the, you know, the Samsung, um, you know, the S6 Edge clearly does, um, I found myself really not sold on the usefulness aspects of it. Like, they have one where if you put it face down on a table, you can, like, see certain things on the edge of the display. And, <laughs> I mean, I guess that's cool, but... I don't know. I mean, how do you feel about that, you guys? Makes a it's sick in- light show. Yeah, it does. Sorry. Yeah. It does. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it does. No, you're dead on. No, I mean, it's it's interesting because we saw this with the Note 4. You know, they had an edge variant as well. Um, you know, and, and this one has, is even less useful in some cases than what you could do on the Note 4. It's interesting in theory, but I, I, I agree with you. I think it's one of those things. It makes a really neat parlor trick. I think Simone's absolutely right. It makes a really mm-hmm. neat parlor trick. But I think in practice, it's there's almost no use to it. Yeah. Um, I I think the problem with any of those sorts of things are is that you need enough of of developer kind of buy-in to make those features worthwhile, um, or you need to have strong enough first-party software that really makes uh, that really makes that sort of feature sing. And unfortunately, Samsung's not going to have either. You know, software is not really where they're at. They're a hardware company, and and their software stuff just is kind of okay. Uh, And I think really the only company that if they added a feature like that that could successfully get user that could get developer adoption and actually have people build anything for that would be apple um and, and that goes for any company out there the, apple's the only one i think that could get anybody to build something for such kind of a small niche feature on a single on a, yeah. on a singular device i don't think any android maker could get anybody to really care yeah so yeah i mean it's a cool parlor trick but it doesn't really do anything else and you're probably not going to see those selling in the stores as much as probably going to be you know most people just buying the regular one yeah, honestly, I, I look at the curved glass and I just think when you buy a cover for your phone, that's going to be a to to design for to work around, et cetera, et cetera. It does look really cool, though. I like the way it looks, but just I think I think yeah, the way that my iPhone case fits, it would it covers up the edge of the phone, and obviously Samsung is going or people are going to design around it. But yeah, yeah. So can we can we talk about the uh, you know the other news there the H you know the Valve VR headset they made with yes. HTC can we talk about First, this someone is going to have to tell me if it's pronounced Vive the French way or Vive the I don't the like vibe but with the V way I don't know does anyone know I have okay. no idea it's got to be the French way yeah V 
Thief is a okay. better well, name. Thief is we'll regret it name. if we're wrong, so I think we should just say the Valve VR headset. Yeah, uh, we'll do that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm super excited about this because uh, Linda, my boss, and Courtney actually got to go test it out a few months oh, ago. Oh, good, good, good. Really? Yeah. Wow. Uh, wow. It makes me super pumped. So, uh, based, But it didn't have a developer at that point, I believe, and they announced that HTC will be making the headset. Um and so when they tested it out, they said it was absolutely amazing what they had them do. They put them through a few simulations. And one of the ones that Courtney talked about was they put her, I think this was the first thing that they did. Um, they put her on a very narrow ledge above like a 30 foot drop and asked her to jump off. And uh, the developer said that the way that people jump off is kind of like a metric of your age. Kids will jump off that virtual ledge without thinking about it. But adults are like, nope, nope, can't do it. And Courtney eventually, it took her, I think, a little while, but she eventually did edge over. And But she said it was incredibly realistic. Um, part of it was also um, touching a wall that you could see in virtual reality, but your real hand was touching the wall in the room. Ooh. And what my boss said, uh, who is, um, she's older than we are it gave her a lot of vertigo to have that sensation of seeing a virtual wall and touching a real one um courtney did not have the same problem with um vertigo or dizziness things like that um so i'm really interested to see widespread applications of this and how people uh will react to it in different age groups with different vision abilities things like that Um, right but it's really exciting they're developing it so um that you can use it um in a room and i think they're also developing controllers for it so that you can play games with it which is must be really exciting for you brie i don't know if you're thinking about developing vr games no no yeah no it's a huge part of our our expansion going forward as we talk to vcs that's you know like that's one of our prime things like we think someone Mm -hmm. is going to solve that and i think like narrative experiences in vr are going to be the killer app Mm -hmm. i i guess i'd say this i'm sure christina you can back me up because you sir you see even more tech products than i do in the course of your professional day but I, i i i've grown to be very skeptical when when someone brings you know a new product to market and they say they're gonna revolutionize it like here at gdc um you know apparently i don't know the details about it so don't hammer me about this if i'm wrong but like autodesk is bringing i heard an engine that they're announcing at this year's gdc and it kind of feels (laughs) like we've got a lot of engines already and Mm -hmm. you know so you know i see this um I, i i find myself asking obviously where the steam boxes are i mean yes. steam is steam is a company that kind of makes they run on, promises right they run on valve time you know right and that's you know like uh, what how many years is it now it was was it just last year for you know that they brought out the controller with the you yes. know with the and then they trackball. took it back right which they would they, they re- redesign i mean the right. original dell steam box i mean i saw that at ces 2014 and dell um, i think it was alienware i guess ended up releasing it running windows because the right. mm-hmm. wasn't ready right and that's happened with a number of companies where they had plans to kind of come out with these these boxes dedicated to CMOS and like it's not ready so right like, well well they're mm-hmm. asking everyone to rewrite their games in linux and i'm sorry like look <laughs> if you want to use linux that's your prerogative i i fully welcome that but i think it's my opinion it's on at least my company can't do it is go like yeah. support that separate an entirely separate operating system. So yeah. I, I guess I would say this, like one of the things that makes Unreal a very attractive platform for us, which by the way, it went free today. I was very happy about that. But one of the reasons we choose to work with Unreal isn't just because Epic are such great partners. It's that if I'm a developer and I develop content for Unreal, I can take that to your smartphone. I can take that to your PS4. I can take it to your Vita. I can take it to your Xbox yeah. One. Um, you know, I can even take it to Steam. And I, I feel like a challenge Steam is going to face here is, you know, they're developing their own room sensing technology. That's cool. But I, it, do you see what I mean? Like, they kind of have this track record at this point, yeah, making they these need grand to predictions. Yeah. And the Steam boxes yeah. are supposed to come to fruition this year. So it's they kind, said I that think last that's year. going to be a big yeah. test. They said that last yeah. year. They did. But it's supposed it, to be this year now. And that's going to be, I think, the big test of how much people invest in their VR tech. Yeah. Is whether the Steam boxes can pull it off. 
and and I think the hard thing too is that this is an area where Oculus is just so far ahead and yeah. and is working with people and actually is delivering a product already. You know, I mean, it, it's it's developer kits, but it's awesome. And mm-hmm. I think everybody sees the the potential future in VR. I mean, I certainly do, and I think that it's it's huge for storytelling of all types, whether it's games mm-hmm. or or movies or or whatever. I think it was one of those when I first used Oculus, it was one of those moments for me that. You know, I would put up there, it was kind of like the first time I used, you know, a touchscreen iPhone. You know, I was like, oh my God, yeah. you know, this is, this is the, <laughs> this break- is the this future. Is the- exactly. I mean, I had one of those moments where I was thinking about all the sorts of stories I would love to tell, all the games I would love to play, all the yeah. movies or things I would want to do. And I think that's really compelling. Um, I think the tech is great. I think HTC has the potential to be a company who could make good stuff. HTC makes good hardware. The problem is HTC is also kind of strapped for cash and, and they don't have, mm-hmm. you know, a huge brand presence. And, and I don't know how, I mean, other than being the person who's making the, the hardware, you know, um, I don't know if, if they have a, you know, a great merchandising strategy in terms of actually getting these things in people's hands. But yeah. the biggest thing, of course, is going to be software. And this is, I think, where it's going to be, you know, already it's, as, as Brie can attest to, you know, developers are stretched for, you know, all in all kinds of, you know, places with where are you going to bring your games and what are you going to develop for? You right. know, are you developing mm-hmm. for console, PC, mobile, so, now VR. Yeah. And if you're doing, if you've, if you're already stretched so thin, you've got to make decisions about what to, to, to develop for. Um, right. I mean, At Valve, this point, it's HoloLens, HTC exactly. is bringing this forward, yeah. Oculus and Project Morpheus. And, you know, again, I, I have no doubt one of these people is going to win, but I, I, meh. I don't know. I are you? I mean, knowing that the Valve obviously they have huge potential, but would you be willing to bet on them over someone like Oculus who has like a Unity engine and has things already supporting things, or even something like Morpheus <laughs> who's going behind it? Like, would you be willing to to trust in them and like say like concrete say this is what I'm going to develop my my VR stuff for just based on on their name alone, or does their reputation? prevent you from wanting to go all in on something like that well i you know i'm just gonna answer that question honestly christina um i have a lot of problems with oculus in the way that they do business um i think they're hostile to women currently in a lot of different ways and not just stories i've heard from their dev team you know their hiring practices they just added a bunch of people onto the team um you know just i think they have a really serious diversity problem there and i was actually Mm. i was talking to oculus on the phone because you know a lot of the work i do for women in tech is you know talking to people behind the scenes yeah and you know i i won't i i will say something i said to them was talking about just how important it was because i do believe this is the future i think this is the future of computer interfaces i think this is the future of games and i think it's really important for women to kind of get a foot on the the floor of it here and i think their culture Mm -hmm, currently pushes people away um in ways they really don't understand and i think it it sadly shows with oculus's partners that i look with at you know um the people that they're choosing to work with so um you know, that said, when I look at all the options out there right now, um, you know, I see Oculus as being the furthest along just in terms of, you know, having having the APIs and all, all the all the hard work in place for you to do it. Now, I think I think Microsoft HoloLens, I cannot wait for my demo with that. Yeah, we are, (laughs) we are, we are, we are very interested in solutions. We want to make games that are are friendly for women. That's one of Mm -hmm. the, the missions of my company. One of the big problems I believe VR is going to face with women consumers is... I, I know you guys are going to get this. Like, it shuts off all your senses and it makes you yeah. feel in danger. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Totally. And totally. Like, you feel like, you feel like somebody could come, could come up behind you. Right. And, yeah. Yeah. Right. You feel unsafe. It, make, it has the potential to make you feel unsafe. Right. And um, I think for that reason, it makes me very curious if Microsoft HoloLens, because you do get to kind of keep that situational awareness a bit. Yeah. I wonder if it's going to be a friendlier thing. Also, you're not going to have the nausea problem as much. Yeah. So um, I have to say I'm very, very interested in, in that demo because I think it... I think it's kind of an engineering challenge and it trades immersion for all these other advantages. So I don't yeah. know. I guess, I, I mean, what technologies do you see as the most promising here? Well, considering that, that, like you said about the HoloLens, that it opens up a lot of other options by sacrificing the full 360 immersion that um, something like the HTC 
uh, unit will have. I think that that has more applications outside of strictly gaming, and I think that that makes it a more viable option for for something that will be really successful in the future. If if we're assuming that you know, in the short term there will be one company, I guess that will emerge the victor just because of the difficulty of developing for these things and because it's something new uh, people are going to invest i think in just a specific one in the future right. i think i hope we'll see more competition but um in the short term i would if the hololens is as good as that awesome commercial which was probably heavily fictionalized um <laughs> presents it to be i i would put my money on that so let's make a bet <laughs> i think it'll be a duopoly or, or something like that. Mm. i think you'll oh, yeah. see several With players Oculus. come forward yeah and i think if sony survives like yeah. morpheus will be a certain percentage of it uh, yeah cool yeah I'm, I'm gonna i'm gonna i would say oculus and then hololens i mean because they they have huge gaming potential but it's not even being like shown off as primarily a gaming thing yet it's more yeah. of kind of a overall user interface thing but yeah, I mean, I think it'll probably probably be two things. But um, I'm disappointed to hear about Oculus's uh, s- uh, stance on diversity and kind of where they stand on that because I do feel like they kind of have sucked up a lot of the the air out of the room. And and they've done, you know, fr- <laughs> frankly, they've frankly they they're the only ones who are actually putting their you know, money where their mouth is right now too. Yeah, I mean, true. you know, love them or hate them, they're the only ones who are actually delivering on stuff iterations time and time again. And where there's actually software and, and, and experiences you can kind of play with. And not just you know theoretical um, ideas that will come down. In, I I couldn't agree you know, more. Yeah. yeah, I just I I think if I were going to, you know, if I were going to talk to Oculus and say what do you need to turn it around, I need to see more outreach for female devs, and they they need to think mm-hmm. about their culture at conferences yeah. because it's it's currently very hostile in ways they don't understand from, from what I'm hearing from multiple, multiple people. So, mm. you know, and I mean, it's, it's bad for their relationship with Facebook too, you know, like Facebook, when I think about what they do well with gaming, um, you know, they, I think they do, I, I think they do well with inclusion and they I do. Just, I, yeah. 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 I mean, one thing I, one thing, one thing I'll, I'll say about Facebook is they're the only tech company where repeatedly every developer event I've ever been to, they have um, women's sized t-shirts. Yeah. Always. Wow. And that goes, and that, that goes back to 2008. Seriously. Nice. South, South by Southwest 2008. I have a Facebook developer garage shirt, a long sleeve and a short sleeve that I got back then. And they were doing it, but every developer day thing or anything I've ever gone to, they always have women's sized stuff. And uh, frankly, they're the only company I can say that for Apple. No, uh, yeah. Google, not yeah. often, you know, um, other companies, hell no. You know, you're lucky if you can get, uh, you know, a small, uh, Facebook always has women's sized stuff. Yeah. So, um, that and that's really even, cool. that's even for small, like I remember they had like a mobile dev day in New York and it wasn't even that many people and they had women's sized stuff. And like, honestly, like to me, that goes a lot further at least when i'm thinking about like obviously people can always do more but i know that's a small thing but it makes me think that whoever's running their events is thinking about the fact that the only people who are showing up aren't going to be men and that's um unfortunately not common no i agree with that i also have to say i know a lot of female engineers that work at at facebook and specifically Mm -hmm. in facebook games and Mm -hmm. i don't know they seem really on their stuff but anyway that's um i don't know i I, i'm (laughs) really excited about it i think the the room scanning technology and the valve product i think it i think it could have some potential to solve that safety feature um yeah yeah, i could tell you behind the scenes um I, i won't say who said this to me but I could tell you there's some fear with some of the VR products that are coming out. Like, when is there going to be, our, a, be a VR death? You know, when is someone going to do something some, like, or get hurt? Like walking into something unsafe. Or... Yeah. I mean, think about yeah. it. It has huge potential for that. That's what we are talking about today. I mean, the, the idea that you would need either it would have to tell you where the objects in your room are or you would have to be able to see them somehow breaking the immersion or you'd have to have a dedicated VR room that is right. a safe space or you get one of those things. Uh, what are those machines uh, that have the, they kind of roll as you walk on them so you stay in one place, but um, hamster ball. either way it's expensive. <laughs> yeah, hamster right. ball. There right. you go. <laughs> a bubble, <laughs> a big plastic bubble that you inflate well. and put yourself in. The options are, are expensive if they're keeping complete immersion. Yeah, and I, and I think the big thing you have to worry about too is you know people already with their with, with gaming addiction where people will will sometimes you know stay and kind of binge game you know for for twenty four thirty six hours at a time. Um, mm. If you've got that full immersion thing going on, I think it's probably actually more likely that maybe you have a death related to that than somebody getting hurt. But 
Yeah, I think it will that, be that, me that... with the immersive dinosaur MMO that is going to be made for Oculus <laughs> that I will live in for the rest of my life. Well, I mean, look, I mean, honestly, but it, uh, God, a, a, a Jurassic Park MMO would kind of be the best thing ever. Oh, oh my, my God. God. Seriously. Oh, my God. Seriously, you guys. The oh, IP, my God. Think about what cool things they could do with the IP with that. That would be amazing. Holy sh- That'd be so cool. <clears throat> yep. I can't even process how great that would be. I could take on a velociraptor while riding a velociraptor. Yeah. I can't believe so you want great. to fight yeah. the dinosaurs instead of befriending them. Well, Rihanna, well not all not all well, look, yeah. not all the dinosaurs are gonna be nice. I mean you befriend yeah. some of them yeah. and then yeah, some of them are like yeah. your enemies. Right. It, didn't you okay. watch The Land Before Time? Not all dinosaurs are good. Right. Come I on. love The Land Before Time. I live so the I. Land Before Time. Christina. You know the you, you know the little girl that was, that was the voice of Ducky. You know no, we can't by... talk about that. That's so sad. <laughs> it is so sad. But what it's happened? One of those, no, like, now I'm curious. I don't know this. this. Oh, she was murdered by her father. Oh my god, that's really like sad. her like 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 her head was like bashed in with a hammer. It was pretty terrible. It was yeah. really awful. Um. Yep. So now I'm gonna do an awkward segue and say, "Wow, that's really interesting." Um. Yeah. Let's talk about the dress. Let's talk about the dress. Um, so, okay, I know I know Christina is a good person and is smart and was able to tell the color blue. So, Simone, what color did you did you see? Seriously? Yeah. <laughs> okay, so what happened? So I was I was on Tumblr. I was at work. Excuse me. Um, and I saw the dress, and I it kept coming up, and I was like, "Why are people arguing about the color of this dress? It's obviously white and gold." And oh I my god! And I was like, "Yeah, thank you, Brianna." Uh, and I was like, Courtney, what color is this dress? And she paused for a really long time. And I was like on the edge of my seat, like, what's she going to say? What's she going to say? And then she goes, it's blue and black. Uh, and that just, the, the entire afternoon was ruined from yep. that point on. We were bashing our heads You were feuding. <sighs> Can I just say, I did, I did, I did finally see, I did finally see it as, as, as white and gold once for like a second. Were you drinking? No, 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 no. It's, but all, although, although you guys will appreciate this. So obviously it's, it's a blue and black dress. I mean, Taylor Swift yes. says so, um, you know, Mindy Kaling says so it is, it's blue and black, but, um, somebody cut it out and put it on top of left shark in a meme. I saw it. And, oh and God. I was, and, and when I was scrolling through Mashable on my phone and I looked at that for a second, I thought someone had photoshopped this black and blue dress this dress that i've seen for a day as looking nothing but black and blue i thought they would photoshopped it as white and gold and then i scrolled back up and it was suddenly blue and black again oh my god so it switched i haven't been able to see it as white and gold since then but i do finally understand how simone could have could be so blind thank you because thank you i was singling bl- me out as well yeah. i'm just saying i mean well look it's clearly <laughs> blue and black i mean brie what color right. did you see well, I mean, okay. So this is this is a true. Be story. Tell us so, your story of the dress. So I was I was speaking at college that day, and I was tired, and my Twitter just starts blowing up. The dress, yes. the dress, the dress, dress the dress. Yes. And I click on it, and I'm on my phone, and I look at the first top of it, and I'm scrolling down. I'm like white and gold, and then I got to the bottom of it, and I'm like, okay, blue and black. Because if you look at the top of it, you can kind of see it, but then you get a fuller sense of the image. And then it's like, mm-hmm. it's just blue and black. And you can't unsee it. And I'm like, oh, that's a really obvious like thing. And I, I just don't understand. So yeah, yeah. Vice actually interviewed a, um, a color theorist, I believe he was, who said it yes. is one of the most interesting optical illusions that he has ever seen just because of the how polarizing it is like usually you can eventually see both things and and i think we did all get to that point with the dress where we can see maybe both colors but people were so convinced one way or the other and that's rare for optical illusions exactly well that was the whole thing even when i saw it i mean like immediately when i first looked at it i thought people who were saying gold and white were trolling us like it broke out like it broke out on (laughs) tumblr and then in, in our slack group at work when we were kind of talking about it and i was watching as it was going crazy and we were we were you know writing it up i i genuinely thought because i was reading responses on tumblr and on on, on uh, neogaf actually um <laughs> and um it, which actually had some really intelligent kind of discussion about the the science behind things believe it or not um and i i thought that the people who were saying white and gold were trolling like i genuinely thought people were just Thanks, like, like messing with us well because i didn't understand how anybody could possibly see white and gold yeah. in it genuinely like i i it was just so obvious to me it wasn't even one of those things where it was a question and then it wasn't yeah. until people in chat were saying 
I know I see this white and gold. And I sent a text to my husband and I said, what color is this? And he was like, why? I was like, don't sass me. Just tell me what color this is. And he was like, white and, and, he, was, and he was like white and gold. And I was like, okay, this is insane. Um, but I saw it, you know, for a second, for a split second, for that yeah. one time, I saw the yeah, white and gold. Yeah, exactly. And, and I haven't, and I haven't seen, and I haven't seen it since then. But it looked so clearly white and gold that I do fully understand mm-hmm. why people would not be able to see it as anything else. Just as when I see it with blue and black, there's no way I see any amount of white and gold in it. Um, mm-hmm. And so, yeah. yeah, I mean, I agree with that color theorist. It's so freaking fascinating because it's. I mean, to me, it, it, the most most uh, you know of, of those sorts of eye trick things, you can kind of understand, like you know, with, where the gray looks different on the cubes. Like you can kind of see, like, yeah. okay, I, I understand how this works. But for the the vastly different color combinations happening with this specific incident, I mean, I I I, I hate to agree with Nietzsche and Zimmerman because he's kind of an ass, but he <laughs> was right when he said that it was like a viral singularity. He's dead oh, on. Was. I mean, it, yeah. it was, and 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 it is. It's so fascinating to me. The weird thing about that day, the thing I find most weird besides the optical illusion, is the fact that that morning we had another meme, which was the llamas escaping. I know, I know. Yeah, and like that was blowing up. I was like, "This is the meme of today." And then, right, mere hours later, I no one cared about llamas. Yeah, except to Photoshop them in the dress. Which so I have to say this, Christine. Like often, I you know because. Like, this show affects me. And I think about what you were saying about <laughs> left shark having staying power. And yes. so, like, I was on my way to UC Irvine, and, like, I saw the llama things I was stopped over in Minnesota. And I'm like, nope, that's not going to have legs. And it didn't. Nope. And I don't think the dress will have legs. I think it will be more of a historic, interesting footnote. But left yeah. shark will transcend left the shark. ages. Yeah, no, Left Shark is definitely lasting. And you know this because they they were immediately, you know, putting Left Shark into with the llama thing and also with the dress. Yeah. Um, the dress, though, I think has become one of those moments where it's, it's, it's probably going to bubble up. It's probably going to be like the urban legends that would, would pass about how, you know, there was a time period where people always kept posting that it was the same day that took place in Back to the Future and it really wasn't. And... <laughs> Uh, this was like years ago, and I think we've actually now passed the time when it actually has been the day in Back to the Future. But um, yeah. people used to used to Photoshop something, and, and it would go go crazy viral to the point that we had to post a couple of times. No, this isn't actually the day in Back to the Future. You know, you guys are <laughs> wrong or whatever. Um, I have a feeling the dress thing is going to be one of those things that bubbles up, and and I wouldn't be surprised if we see a few months or a few years from now where it's one of those things where people who didn't catch it the first time are kind mm-hmm. of reminded just because it's that fascinating. Yeah. Um, I think it'll be difficult, though, just because the vast number of people who were interested. I mean, I think BuzzFeed said they got like 25 million page views the first day on that story. Oh, my God. Wow. That's crazy. And like half of them were we from mobile. We should have written something about the dress. <laughs> yeah. I, it, it's, yeah. It, it's, yeah, I mean, yeah. it's insane. I wonder. I I got I got very annoyed that day just because I think the the sheer viralness of the dress brought out the people who are like, oh, stop talking about the dress already. Which is just it's such an interesting cultural phenomenon to me when literally millions of people are talking about See, one different thing. Things. This is yes. the 21st century is incredible. How could you complain about something like that? Like I know you get tired of reading it over and over again, but also wow, look around you, look how interconnected the world is. This is awesome. And also, I agree. And also, I think it raises a really interesting question where people are actually going, oh, my God, at least it made me question everything I've ever seen. (laughs) Oh, yeah. And and, and, and to me, though, that's actually really fascinating, right? Because there's a, a greater kind of statement, I think, there about perspective, because if we could all be so convinced that we saw something as one color and oh, yeah. I'm so convinced I saw it as one color. You're so convinced you saw it as something else. What does that say about everything? I mean, it really makes a really interesting case about perspective, about being open-minded. Um, mm-hmm. And 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 I think that there there's something there's something in there. You know, I think for a lot of us, it makes us re-question everything. Um, and and that's probably not a bad thing. Oh, definitely not. I mean, it's colors are something that humans invented in the first place, and this just kind of drove that home in a really a, a fun. But also really scientifically interesting way that was really accessible to anyone with internet, which is another really important thing is that yes. phenomenons like that aren't necessarily accessible in a, a, a to a wide range of people. And this was so yeah, I'm totally down with really it. Cool. 
So do we want to talk about what we're doing this week professionally so you can go pack? Hell yeah. All right. So I am. <laughs> Let's do it. Let's do <laughs> in it. like 10 minutes, I'm going to call a lift. I'm going to go to the SeaTac airport and I'm going to be on a plane, a red eye plane to Boston or to New Jersey, New Jersey, New Jersey. Did I really just? Anyway, yes. And then I'm going to PAX East this weekend. Um, I am really excited. I've got a lot of exciting stuff to do and games to play and people to see, drinks to drink. So I'm pumped. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, I'm speaking at, well, I just got done speaking at GDC, so I was speaking at PAX twice. Uh, and I will and see then, you there. And we're going to hang out and talk about yeah. Christina behind we're her gonna back. We're going to take selfies. Yes, we are. We are. We are. And then I'm going to go to I'm Disney so World. I'm going to go to Disney World. I'm going to go to Disney. It's going to be awesome. I'm going to go to Disney Quest. I'm going to do the dinosaur ride. And now I'm going to make all of Rocket just about bragging about having done the <laughs> dinosaur ride. Into and the- then I'll quit in yeah. tears. Yeah. yeah. Oh, and I also have a really big uh, op-ed coming out in the Boston Globe. Uh, nice. Probably tomorrow. Very cool. Yeah. Christina. Um, so I, I don't really know what I'm doing so far this week because it's only Monday, you guys. Um, but uh, I, I'm assuming... Mm-hmm. You don't I'm, plan I'm not... your week out like by the minute. What's wrong with you? Come on, no, but you're a professional. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, I kind of fly by the seat of my pants. Um, so I'm gonna be jealous of you guys being able to meet up at PAX and and take selfies and be together. We are, we are, cool. we, are. So, we so, are. So so jealous. We are. I'm so jealous. I'm so jealous. I'm gonna be jealous of Brie for going to Disney World. If you go to Universal yeah. and go to the Simpsons Land, then I'm gonna be even. We're like, we're so gonna do it. We already have our tickets. Uh, yeah. I hate you. Oh I love gosh. you. No, yeah. So jealous. <laughs> so I'm probably just gonna be watching a lot of TV. No, I, I've got I've got some things planned this week. I can't really talk about. Um. Uh, that, that are still kind of under embargo and things like that. But no, I mean, it's Very just cool. uh, just kind of business as usual for me. All right. I got okay. the sense Simone's about to run out the door. I, so... I have to go to the bathroom again. <laughs> <laughs> well, if it's an emergency, I think we should end our podcast. So... All right. Uh, Brianna, where can we find you online? Space Cat Gal on the Twitter. Space Cat Gal on the Twitter. Christina, what about you? You can find me at film underscore girl on the Twitters and mashable.com slash people slash Christina. All right, you can find me at Doom Quasar on Twitter and in Boston, buried in a snowbank Woo! this weekend.